Among the many choices San Diegans will make when they cast their ballots is one that could open the door to new development in the Midway District. The mostly industrial area has untapped potential, but because of its geography, buildings are subject to the 30-foot coastal height limit. Measure E would remove that limit, allowing for much more ambitious redevelopment. For the San Diego Union-Tribune, I'm Daniel Wheaton, and this is your San Diego News Fix. Jennifer Van Grove, you cover growth and development for the San Diego Union-Tribune, and over the weekend, you wrote an explainer piece walking us through Measure E. Can you explain what were the forces that got Measure E to the ballot in the first place? What is the problem this measure is trying to solve? So if you talk to proponents, uh, this is, you know, basically, you know, a couple decades in the making. Um, But more recently, the product of a community planning effort that wrapped up in 2018. So the Midway Pacific um, Highway Community Planning District, they released a new community plan. It's a framework for what development can happen in that region. And in that document, they envisioned um, a population growth because there's a very little residential, uh, but a population growth of about 2,400 people. Um, they can get there under the existing conditions, which prevent building heights of 30 feet or, or over 30 feet. Um, however, planning commissioner, uh, planning commissioners, when they, you know, when the community went through this process, suggested that the the community seek a, an amendment essentially to, it's not really a community plan amendment, but um, a change in zoning to the Midway District so that buildings can be built higher and the community can undergo um, what they're talking about as a revitalization effort and bring investment dollars in to reshape the area because as you said, it is very industrial in nature. I think a lot of San Diegans are familiar with the sports arena. Uh, They're familiar with the suburban style shopping centers um, and they drive through there. The streets are really wide. There's not a lot of pedestrian and bike activity. So the thinking is if they can remove the 30 foot height restriction, then they can get developers um, or property owners to invest in the land, build up a little bit higher. Um, I think the max height restriction would be 100 feet and then reshape the character of the neighborhood, which it, I guess, you know, if you live there now, what is that character? I think that the definition is a li- little bit nebulous. And so just to kind of, you know, go back to the beginning, the community planning group um, had hoped to maybe force this change um, by going through, you know, their, their representative, Jennifer Campbell. So Jennifer Campbell and Chris Kate teamed up earlier this year. And now we have this this ballot proposal because the initial boundary, the 30 foot height limit was set by a ballot measure in 1972. So in order to exempt the Midway District from what's considered the coastal zone, you have to go through another vote to see Mm -hmm. if this is what people actually want. Cool. And I guess uh, just out of my curiosity, how did the Midway District get to the way it is? Because it is kind of an odd mix of industrial, suburban shopping. Only reason I'm there is to go to Modern Times, honestly. I love Modern Times. I I go there, too, before a goals game, which hasn't happened in a long time, obviously, because of the pandemic. Um, So much of the character 
you know, if you can call it that, uh, formed around the military bases there. So Midway District, we're only talking about just over 1,300 square feet of land. Most of that land, or about half actually, is military uses. You have um, the Marine Corps Recruit Depot, which is very large chunk of land, 388 uh, acres. You have NAVWAR, which is um, 70 acres and butts up against the five freeway. Um, and then you also have city land, the sports arena um, parcel and neighboring parcels, which is about 88 acres. And so what you have is a, a mix of military government uses and the industries that developed around them were there to kind of support that that uh, that use. So a lot of the retail was there to support the military workers and kind of facilitate that type of environment. But nothing really was built up to create a residential community um, or you know uh, much use beyond retail, commercial, industrial, all to support you know, those military uses that really date to the early 1920s. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And you hinted at it in your question earlier, but what are the major groups that are supporting this measure? So you have the the Midway Community Planning or Midway Pacific Highway Community Planning Group. They are kind of the really big force behind this. Um, and of course, you have the the council member, the city council member from that district, Jennifer Campbell, um, Chris Kate, who's another city council member, but not from that district. He's supporting it. Um, I believe Mark Kersey has come out in support of it. And it's being endorsed by a lot of different groups across town, um, bipartisan support, really, um, because I think a lot of people who want to see redevelopment in this area recognize the redevelopment is only going to come if you lift the building height restriction um however there's there there is certainly an opposition campaign going on um it's it's the primary uh opponents here are a group called save our access it's a newly formed group but um, they have long-standing roots in, in um, environmental activism. And so John McNabb is kind of the face of, of that campaign. And the argument there is that, well, Midway District was incorporated into the coastal zone in 1972 by vote of the people. Um, it should be a part of the coastal zone. It is not arbitrarily included. And there could be overbuilding that takes place, especially if you consider that some of the military properties may come up for redevelopment. So there's there's the community group, and then there's the you know um, the environmental land use type activists on the opposite side. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned the community plan that's already in place. Do we know what kind of development would come first to the area if you know this passes? Like, I imagine it wouldn't be large skyscrapers like downtown, right? No, so skyscrapers in general aren't really going to be facilitated by the different zones that the community plan allows. When I reached out to city planners, I was trying to get a clear sense of building heights in this area if the 30-foot restriction was removed. And I was told 40 feet to 100 feet would be the maximum based on the type of zoning that is allowed in this region. However, you have parcels, like the the government-owned parcels have very different rules. Um, So federal land, there is no height restriction there. It's 
you know, federal, um, it's governed by a totally different set of restrictions. And so if NAVOR, which is 70 acres near Interstate 5, um, stays a government-owned piece of land, whatever is built there can be taller than 30 feet. It can be taller than 100 feet. Um, and so that is still such an early stage process. So we've talked about it extensively. SANDAG and the Navy have teamed up to kind of explore it in partnership, like what would a redevelopment look like there if it was completely you know, reimagined as a transportation hub plus you know, residential, plus noon offices for the Navy. But that's still very much in the planning stages, but that land is certainly in contention for redevelopment. I believe you know the soonest project that we might see is what's happening now between the city of San Diego and Brookfield properties with the sports arena parcel. So um, the city is either looking to sell or lease on a long-term basis, um, a little over 40 acres right around the sports arena and Brookfield properties, they won the, um, the request for proposal competitive bidding process. And so they're currently in, in negotiations for how that transaction might take place. Um, but I would expect to see something before city council next year. Um, so that development timeline um, is, is hard to know without city council's buy-in, but the city has picked a developer. It, it said that it wants to redevelop this land. So that one kind of seems the most certain of everything that's transpiring right now. Mm-hmm. And as we've spoken previously, there's this big boom of development that's mostly going on downtown, East Village in particular. A lot of these projects were put into motion, you know, years ago, and we're just finally seeing, you know, the first renderings and the first kind of, uh, you know, something that's structured. If Measure E passes, how long will it take until we start seeing those plans? Because it's not like development would just spring up overnight. Yeah, and so if you talk to proponents too, they'll really drive home this point that Measure E is, is, it's not a project by any means, right? So any sort of development that would happen after Measure E, say it passes, would have to go through the normal process, the approval processes, which could entail, you know, approval by city council, which could entail environmental review, which is a multi-year process. So the the measure itself lifts the height restriction, but it doesn't guarantee any sort of development. It doesn't say, yes, you can build skyscrapers or yes, this sports arena development can go through. It just makes it easier for developers like Brookfield to you know build in the density. And when I say density, I'm talking about more residential units, um, a larger footprint that's up in the sky as opposed to on the ground in three-story buildings. It makes it easier for them to do it because it, theoretically, someone like a Brookfield would probably want to get some sort of um, you know amendment anyways because their development is so so vast and and they would be, they would it would behoove themselves to build up as opposed to just in three-story buildings but this this if, if voters decide to exempt the midway district from the coastal zone height limit then that kind of clears a little bit of the red tape for developers like brookfield properties does that make sense yeah it makes sense it kind of like sets the stage for something that could come as opposed to just a blanket no yeah, exactly. So it, it makes it opens the door to possibilities, but it doesn't 
like create those projects or, or doesn't necessarily allow those projects. Those projects still will have to go through a planning process, which is usually a multi-year effort. Mm-hmm. And uh, do we know anything about public support or polling for this measure? Uh, typically measures, you know, tend to not pass. <laughs> um, so I think most voters are undecided on this. The Union Tribune um, did a, a poll. I don't have the exact figures, but it was something like, you know, in the 30 percentile support, 30 percentile against, but then the rest of voters were undecided. So I think people are still weighing their options and trying to understand what this means. I think the knee-jerk reaction in California is you hear coastal zone and you want to protect it. And so maybe there's some uncertainty here when it comes to you know regular voters and, and whether or not does Midway really is it really part of the coastal zone? And I think, you know, hopefully voters will do a little bit of research and come to their own conclusion as to to what the coastal zone means to them. Because, I mean, if you look at Midway, um, it's maybe not a beach city, but when you build up, you will certainly have coastal views. What does that, you know, what does that mean to the average thing? Again, I, I, you know, we, are, we won't find out until November. Certainly. Jennifer Van Grove, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the San Diego News Fix. It's Tuesday, so listen to the latest episode of Name Drop. Here, the UT's Abby Hamblin and Christy Totten interview Gary Kloppenberg, coach of the 2020 WNBA champions, the Seattle Storm. Name Drop San Diego is available wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is made possible by subscribers to the San Diego Union Tribune. As we live through this momentous time in history, the truth and facts matter. If you are not yet a subscriber, please go to uniontrib.com slash subscribe. Until next time.